We can't replicate the sound Tuca makes when no women have talked for five minutes, but today it's two men talking about Tuca and Birdie, and how much we like it. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and what is really going on inside of all of us. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about the new Netflix series, Tuca and Birdie, from creator Lisa Hanawalt, the designer and a producer of BoJack Horseman. And as a challenge for us, I feel like that's the last time we should say the word BoJack this episode because it's a completely different show. And there's too many articles about comparing the two already. <laughs> there are. Can I say one thing? Yes. You're on one, 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 one additional one. One. This one is Bojack. the only other sentence. And for those people curious, there's already an article with a headline that says everything you need to know, which is there will not be a bird, Tuca and Birdie and BoJack crossover. There's just not. And if you watch five minutes of the show, it'll be immediately apparent why. Right. It's totally different. Totally different. Okay. In a good way. <laughs> yes. In a good way. And not that I don't like BoJack and not that we don't enjoy BoJack as you can see in our history. So if you're curious about that, look at that. But today it's all Tuca and Birdie. Birdie and Tuca, Tuca and Birdie, Tuca and Birdie. Birdie and Tuca, Tuca and Birdie, Tuca and Birdie, Tuca and Birdie. See, we already know the theme song. There, there it is. It's really great on headphones. I don't know if you've heard it on headphones yet, but I haven't. Is the it theme left song the right is, channel? Oh, it's so nice. Ah. It's so much. It's so much better in headphones. <laughs> get your get your favorite pair of headphones and watch Tuca and Birdie on Netflix. Mine South system is not advanced enough for Tuca and Birdie. <laughs> so, go ahead. You were about to say something. Hopefully it's to describe what Tuca and Birdie is or some other comment that you had to start. Yeah, it's going to position Tuca and Birdie uh, by starting with the celebration of the fact that it's uh, led by Lisa Hanawalt, a woman. And there aren't a lot of adult animated shows created or run by women, um, which Lisa Hanawalt has pointed out on Twitter this week, um, leading up to the premiere of Tuca and Birdie, as she tried to compile a list because... <laughs> presumably someone in her personal life said oh how interesting is that and rare and then she tried to make a list and uh with the help of the world managed to get like uh, five adult animation shows helmed by women hmm. and as yeah adult animated shows yeah because there are several more um for the for the young kids or families but it's not a much yeah, wider field, but the, yeah, it's, it's slightly wider. And I think a lot, and I shouldn't think a lot about this. Um, I remember at some point seeing a shirt that was a, like titled drinking buddies. And it was like every alcoholic adult animated dad or pseudo dad figure, like going to a bar and drinking together. So it's like Homer and Bender and Peter Griffin and Bojack and Rick from Rick and Morty. And I think I'm skipping one other popular one. Maybe Bob from Bob's Burgers, something like that. It's like, that's a lot of like white or 
white stand-in dudes getting drunk about adult animation. And I realized when I saw that shirt, for as many adult animation cartoons that I love, how boring the genre is when they just produce like knockoffs of those like three or four good things that I love. Mm. Yeah. It it's boring. Yeah. People can perfect that formula and do it really well. Futurama. Um, but it's boring when that is just done over and over and over again. So Tuka and birdie is not that at all. It's completely different and so refreshing. What? Well, here's the thing. Um, oh my gosh, I would say, um, when you have a certain voice that's been heard so much, which is the cisgender white male for so very long, that anything that's not that is just refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, because you end up with shows about different things and you end up seeing different people populating the screen. And we'll get more into this as we talk through these episodes and why I enjoyed it so much. But it's, um, you just get to see something different and it's so refreshing. Ah. Yeah. I just didn't know how much I needed Tuka and Birdie. Right? It's like, I like adult-themed animation. Oh, look, this can be more than just this one narrow thing. Right. Done well or not well. <laughs> now, not everybody has enjoyed it. Ugh. Um, do you, do you want to get this out of the way? I do, because it, it makes me so angry. Yeah. It... it it ruffles your feathers. It does. It ruffles my feathers. There's my bird pun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I applaud that. That was a wonderful. <laughs> this ruffles my feathers. Uh, could we, before we read it, let's say what it what Tuca and Birdie really is about. Yeah. Do you want to give the, I feel like I summarize a lot. I want to hear the Chris summary. Yeah, no, I, I love your summaries okay. though. You do it so well. You're so good at it. Okay. So Tuca. Unless you don't. <laughs> Unless you know Tuca and Birdie's about. <laughs> um, so Tuca and Birdie is um, at its core. It's a show about uh, two women who are friends and birds. Um, <laughs> one is a toucan. One is a something song thrush. A songbird. I'm bad at birds. Some kind. I apologize. I know. Um, yeah. I'm going to look it up while you're giving. The okay. Thing. You look it up. So Tuka and birdie are two women who are friends and birds. Um, and in the first episode, Tuka has just moved out of the apartment they've shared for a number of years so that birdie's boyfriend can move in. Um, and they're probably like, mm, I would say mid to late twenties probably. And they're just trying to be adult women, figuring out life and jobs and careers and love. And, um, the problems they've had in the past, they're well-developed characters with histories, not with each other, but personal histories. Um, and not everything is a challenge for them to overcome in the show. There are challenges they've overcome before they get to the show. Uh, I don't know how to summarize it. It's done in a style that's like part 90s Nicktoon, part <laughs> like... 
part broad city, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think what, what this allows the characters to do. I, I love when animation allows things to be ridiculous um, because it's, you don't have to reflect the world. You can distort it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about this show is that it simultaneously presents real people as they are, as you would recognize in your own circles of friends, but also distorts it by putting on display the internal things that the characters are thinking and feeling and having them manifested outside in the real realm of animation in the the way that the animation is stylized in the things that happen in the distortions in plot things in just ridiculous things that happen it allows for the internal life and the internal worries to just blurt out and turn into something fun and cartoony and I think I love that because the plots get so ridiculous and surreal that it really puts the focus on the emotional journey that's happening. Right. Which is really cool. It's a nice animation yes. technique that I don't think enough people have done. Right. Let's forget that the plot's not the thing. <laughs> the plot's not the thing. It's all about the character and what the character's feeling and getting through. And if you can distort that, distort the situation, Tuka it up a little bit because I think that's what Tuka does in, in some of the episodes that, I, that I've watched. I mean, I binged as many as I could before my body was just giving up late at night. Like, We're done. <laughs> Which I think is its own like Tuka and Birdie gag, you know, <laughs> like ah, we're finished here. I can't binge um, anymore. <laughs> but I, I feel like you're, you're just, it never gets emotionally ridiculous in the sense that the characters are totally grounded and what they are feeling is pure. Mm. And, and, and because of that, because they have such pure and relatable emotions that they're dealing with the plot and what, you see visually can go wild because the core is sound. I think in that respect, it really reminds me of Well, I realized watching the fourth episode where there's a musical number. It really reminds me of crazy ex-girlfriend. We're like, yes, they make fun of how drama and convoluted the plots get sometimes on that show. Got it's it's over now. I, I haven't accepted yet how much the plot got on that show. Um, and th- some of the premises were ridiculous. And it's all ultimately a show with musical numbers that stop the actual show, so that Rebecca Bunch can think things through in her head. And that's kind of what happens here. Like when instead of in a musical where a character can no longer express their feelings by talking and they have to sing. And Tuka and Birdie, they, when they can no longer express their feelings through reality, things get weird. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and it can ramp up very quickly. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that. But at the same time, it's, it's grounded in a weird, wonderful way. It's really grounded and it feels, I know where they're coming from. Yeah. And I never, you never lose track of that, which is why what, <laughs> what you found is, is so infuriating. I want to preface this by saying, I don't follow this reviewer's professional career reviewing stuff. And this reviewer may have reviewed many things in a positive professional way that I would agree with and love. And everyone has bad days at their job. I'm going to assume positive <laughs> intent here. <laughs> wow. This might be too generous. More power to you. Um, but I found, because it's one of the first things that turned up at Google, um, like a CNN review from Brian Lowry um, that fundamentally like doesn't understand the show in the first sentence. And it's a review of the show. And it says it's a miss. Don't watch it. But it reads as if Mr. Lowry didn't watch the show. <laughs> the first sentence is essentially the tale of two birds who live in the same apartment. And the first episode is a begins with how they don't live in the same apartment anymore. Right. It's like he didn't That's make it past the, whole, the opening credits. Right. The whole premise of the first episode. I mean, this is not a spoiler, <laughs> but the first, the whole premise is that Tuca has moved out. Yeah. That's it. Like that's the, that's the dramatic problem. This is where our story begins. <laughs> It's about two, two birds that live in the same apartment. Wrong. No, wrong. <laughs> Second paragraph. Number two. Colorful and crude. The premises is not as script as the animation. Also wrong. Wrong. What else is there that where's, looks where's like Where's my this? Luke Skywalker? Where's my Luke Skywalker? It's funny. Everything you said, just said. It's totally wrong. <laughs> wow. You, it's like Whatever a Last Jedi Luke Skywalker gif and everything. A verbal <laughs> gif, if you will. A right. V-gif. Vigif. A vif? A vajif. No, not a vajif. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That is not. Dear Tuka and Birdie Steph, if you're listening, we grant you permission to use that joke as a punchline at some point because it's too good and I feel like it fits with Tuka and Birdie. <laughs> I don't even need credit. Uh, just please use vajif somewhere. <laughs> Go on. So anyway, there's no so, animation that looks like Tuke and Birdie. If he'd seen it like happening live at all, instead of just like a screen cap, this reviewer would know that. I'm going to keep saying this review because I don't want to say his name as much. I don't want to give him the power. And because even the, the show that it's compared to is only because animal heads on human bodies. <sighs> that's, the, that's the only similarity that's it that's all you get i know and that, because, that's even tenuous at best like even still that right. that would be descript for those two shows right right third paragraph where it basically just writes off the whole genre of adult animation it stops being a review about tuca and birdie and starts being a review of adult animation the genre mm -hmm. clearly has its admirers which explains why adult swim among others is crawling with similar fare where similar to Tuke and Birdie, okay. 
creatively, production-wise, run by women-wise, tone-wise, it's all wrong. Everything you just said <laughs> was wrong. <laughs> There's that vachif again. Um, and the reviewer goes on, but beyond the generally surreal nature of it all, Tuca and Birdie doesn't really do anything to stand apart from the flock beyond the promotability of its celebrity voices. Like, what? Hmm. And again, positive intent. I haven't read anything else Brian Lowry has written about pop culture and TV and movies. And he seems to have an extensive resume of doing this professionally. So I must assume he knows some things that I don't about life and television. Um, but also, he didn't watch the show. He, it's obvious he did not watch the show. And if he did, he was not paying attention. Ugh. And even here's the thing. Wow, I guess that's my catchphrase. Here's the thing. If he if he if you watch something and it doesn't jive with your sensibilities, you can say that without writing off an entire genre of animation. I can say, you know animation that's a little crude and it goes a little too far it's a little bit surreal that's not my bag and that you know people are going to enjoy it um i did like this and this and this about it but it's not even doing that it's not even for being a critic there's not a lot of critical thinking happening here <laughs> yes it's a thought process of it doesn't look like it's for me therefore it's not for anyone Correct. And just looking, looking through uh, Twitter, yes, Tuca and Birdie was not made for this person. <laughs> and that's okay. It's not for everyone. But we certainly enjoy it. We're not saying it's not for men. We enjoy right? it. We're not the critical definitive voices on this subject, but we enjoy it. We're contributing. And, and to be fair, um, <laughs> I wouldn't classify either of us as a cisgendered white male. <laughs> There's one part of that that each of us misses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ever slightly so, so much, like just off so close. <laughs> almost made it. And yet listening but... to this podcast, you think we're just another podcast of two dudes talking. <laughs> You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Anyway, so now that we've taken somebody to task, I feel like that should be a, a, a part of every episode. Today we're taking a task. You know what really grinds my gears? Well, we often don't like to talk about things that we don't like. So we want to celebrate the things that we like. Ball, like giving critical feedback about things that could be better storytelling wise. But this is just something and it's not animation so i feel good taking down a review of an animated show <laughs> right and and it's not that it it's not the fact that they gave a, a bad review we're not attacking people who give bad reviews to things that we enjoy it's a bad quality review because it doesn't talk about what's really happening in the show yeah and I, i've never been so mad like reading a review too I, I've read lots of bad reviews of things that I love. I love some really, really trashy things that I know people don't like. 
and they have very valid points. (laughs) (laughs) None of these points are valid. (laughs) No, none of them are valid because none of them are show that you know what you're talking about. So sorry, but not sorry. Also anyway, now that we spent 20 minutes, like, Reviewing a review of Duke and Birdie. Let's talk about season one, episode one, the sugar bowl. I just love this show. Yeah. I just want to say this right, right off the bat. I love this show for the reasons that we talked about before we uh, discussed the review, which is we get human characters dealing with things that have been done in a sitcom but in a human way and not in a sitcom way. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Things don't like neatly wrap up because they have to. Right. I think one of the moments where I first realized, I forget the exact line, but I realized that I really loved the world of the show. Not for any of the surreal stuff that happened, but at one point Tuka and Birdie are having like a heart to heart, I think on the fire escape. And Tuka reveals that she was scared because it was her first time going on a date sober and just so casually mentions that she is an alcoholic recovering and hasn't had a drink in a while. It so casually reveals that background like, oh, there's depth. I love this. Right. There's nothing superficial that happens in this show. I mean, if we go to episode one. I just love the way that the characters are introduced in the first episode where you get a little bit of backstory in the titles around the characters. You get like the flash frame. You, you, you meet them really quick. Here's, here's the sitcom details you need to know about this person. Now you have a good idea on who this person is. And that's, that's what you get. But they don't tell you what's really going on until the characters start interacting with each other. And again, the whole problem is that's, that's created in the episode is that Tuca has moved out so that speckle, um, birdie's boyfriend. I just love the name speckle. Um, I, lo- can I love move speckle. In. I'll talk about speckle after this. <laughs> <laughs> so he, so he can move in. Now they're both afraid for two different reasons, and they're slightly sitcommy in terms of, oh no, now I have to live on my own and find my own life. You know, will we still be friends? And then the other, what it, will this relationship work out now that we're moving in together? Very real, very and could be very sitcom issues, but they. They're not. They're they they're dealt with in a realistic slash very very surreal way that that totally subverts any sitcom fakery and um, tropes that could possibly arise from this situation. Mm. So, I mean, we we get the the first phone call where. They're, they're talking on the phone and Tuca is out getting new furniture for her apartment by uh, 
going through and getting leftover furniture from other places. I felt really seen by this segment. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. I had a skateboard that I never used and I found a piece of furniture one day next to a dumpster and I came back with my skateboard, put it on that skateboard and I took it home. (laughs) This show got me. You're you're Tuca in in many ways. No, I'm definitely Birdie in many ways, but I'm not afraid to Tuca when I need to. (laughs) I'm too afraid to Tuca. I think I'm too afraid to Tuca. Um, The performances, I mean, they're just spot on. I I love the performances uh, in this because Tuca is brash and bold and confident and interesting, but also so very vulnerable when she's alone. Yes. Ah, so well done. Uh, And then birdie is everything that took is not, but is also very kind. And, um, she has a lot of aspirations. I like that her fatal flaw is that she knows what she wants, but she doesn't do anything to pursue it. Right. I think in the epi- the second episode, she says that. And it's worked for me none times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She always, her problems begin because she knows what she needs to do. And then I can't even describe like what she fails to do in that time. And I love her relationship with Speckle. Sorry, my my Speckle rant. Speckle is like the perfect like white bread crust cut off like sitcom boyfriend. And like everything with him could become a sitcom trope and it's immediately not a sitcom trope because he's so boring. There's like nothing interesting about him. It's wonderful. Oh, I guess I we didn't preface at the beginning, but we said adult animation a lot. It's not a show for kids. <laughs> Might have left that off, uh, but hopefully saying adult animation enough um, has made clear that this is not a show for kids. Uh, so I apologize Correct. for the, the next part I'm about to call out uh, on our show. Even, even from the opening credits, don't let your kids watch the opening credits you, like from the first three seconds. You'll know right away. Right away. Yes. And that sets the tone <laughs> for the show and the kids should go to bed. Um, <laughs> they should already be in bed. They shouldn't like it. Shouldn't be. Hey, two and birdie. Oh, time for bedtime, kids. No, kids should be in bed. It's five thirty. Time for bed. <laughs> Get in bed. Um. So the premise of one of the episodes that I love <laughs> is uh, Birdie asks Speckle like what kind of porn he watches. <laughs> 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 Instead of like a sitcom situation, he comes like the previous five minutes, essentially, of their episode, but with like two different bird porn looking actors on his laptop (laughs) doing the exact same thing. It's like, this is so awkward. I'm sorry that she's blue. (laughs) And it's so wonderfully boring. Oh, my God. Because it's about what he wants in a relationship and not what he wants in um, a sexual partner. <laughs> right. 
it's just so interesting that it's like, no, no, this, this is what gets my motor going is thinking about having a good sound relationship. Every time you think commitment. you'll see like the dividing wedge between Birdie and Speckle, instead you see why Birdie likes Speckle. <laughs> <laughs> Even if that's too boring for her. But then the other thing is this. I enjoy Speckle not just because he's boring, but also because he is a boyfriend that you could understand why the main character wants to be with. Mm -hmm. In many shows, sitcoms especially, you're just like, why, is this, why are these people together? And there is no question why these two people have moved in together. He's kind, there's love there, he ha he's supportive, he doesn't think that she's um, everything, you know, she, he notices some flaws with her, but he's trying, but there's effort and love and care between the two of them. And it's so refreshing to see a relationship like that on TV. <laughs> it's, yeah. it is so rare that it's like, oh, here's a good guy and here's an, here's a good woman and they're in love and they're in a relationship and they're not quite sure where it's going. They're not quite sure how it's going to work out, but Hey, it's not like they're fighting for dumb reasons. And we haven't finished binging yet, so we'll see. We'll see. But it starts in a real place. I'm willing to like let the drama happen later if it needs to, because they've established it's real, and I believe it. I'm invested right. now. Um, and because we called out a bad review earlier, I feel like I must bring up a good review. Um, and there was an article in Wired reviewing the show where they watched it. Uh, hot take. Obviously. <laughs> and. Because their review was so insightful, I feel like I have to give credit to this. I didn't come up with this. Um, but they talk about partly how Tuca and Birdie is, seems like this age-old trope of like this odd couple archetype at first. Mm -hmm. But the tension between them isn't about how they present themselves as women or um, how creative they are or even like this clean, messy divide of odd coupling. It's about the degree to which each of the characters is okay with unpredictability. And Tuca hmm. is chaos incarnate and Birdie wants to know every step of her life for the rest of her life, which is why she's chosen speckle because he's predictable. Right. And sometimes she doesn't like that, but he's predictable and that's why she likes it. And Tuca is completely unpredictable. But it also for her, I think especially in the third episode, she, we end up understanding that she may not like that unpredictability. Mm -hmm. She, she wants to have something else, but she doesn't know how to be that person because maybe, and this gets at real stuff. Maybe her unpredictability was a symptom of something that was not being treated in terms of not, not just, necessarily mental illness but also alcoholism mm. and how much of that was overcompensating for something and how much of it still is and i'm i like that this show about quote two birds <laughs> bird women 
bird women is is deep like this. Yeah. It allows for that that depth of character that you can say it's dealing with some really heavy stuff. I mean, they in the first episode it allows things to be a little bit more sitcommy and ridiculous. Um like the the main plot is now they have to deal with not being roommates but being neighbors. And so, hey, let's do all the things that neighbors need to be. So Tuka comes in and borrows a cup of sugar. <laughs> and in the most birdie way, Birdie looks in the cabinet and sees her organic sugar that's really expensive. It's like, I don't want to give her a cup of my really expensive sugar. And then she sees a dingy old um, sugar container not container uh, like a like sugar bowl sugar bowl thank you <laughs> sugar bowl um that has speckles name on it because part of it is him trying to find where he fits in the apartment can i put up this picture of myself um where can my razor go um which is probably one of the funniest sight gags in the in the show but in the episode but then she gives this, she says she's not going to give her expensive sugar. So she takes Speckles sugar bowl and gives it to Tuca. I also feel seen because I've done that exact thing. Not with like what turns out to be in the sugar bowl, but <laughs> it's like, oh, I have this nice expensive thing. Oh, here's my roommate's like bad version of this. <laughs> And the fact that she's like, here's my, here's my boyfriend roommate stuff. You can have it here. Yeah. And it's, it shows multiple things. Like it, it's real because I paid a lot of money for that and I don't want to waste it on you, Tuka, but you're also my friend and I need to show you that I'm supporting you in this new endeavor that, you know, we're both trying to be okay with this. So I have to support you. So, but also it's the quote first betrayal of her relationship with speckle, which is giving away his sugar, which would you like to say it? <laughs> Turns out for complicated reasons to be partly the ashes of his grandmother. That was better than I imagined you explaining it. Oh, thank you. I find one sentence is better than ruining the multi-sentence explanation in the episode. Which happens for complicated reasons to be. Oh, so thank you so much for that. Oh, uh, but true. And if you thought that was surreal, then of course they go on an adventure to recover this, which gets more and more surreal. As Tuka learned, lent it to another roommate or another uh, person in the apartment who's uh, a plant lady um, voiced by Shamir Bailey. And I'm a big Shamir Bailey fan. So this was a nice intersection of my interests. Like Shamir is a musician. Um, great music. Anyway, side note, neither here nor there. It's like, oh, that's a nice surprise. I love that. Uh, and this plant lady is 
a system of turtles that carry things around this apartment. Yeah, most of her furniture is turtle, not like dead turtle, but like moving real turtles. Yeah. Which, in a world where birds have human bodies, it's still we weird. Get turtles, like actual turtles, but also actual birds. Like bird, like small, normal birds, birds. Yeah, this one at times. This show takes a very clear decision that just because the characters are animal people doesn't mean there aren't animals. That's firmly established. Right. And it's nice and a refreshing take on that. Because it, you don't have to question like, oh, what's going on? And it, especially with the plant people, you can just be because it's it then becomes about a personality thing. Like, oh, here's this exotic neighbor. How, how are you going to represent how they feel about this person? Except by giving them something where you're looking at them, wondering what's going on. If you portrayed that in just a, another kind of humanoid form, you wouldn't understand what they're feeling about it. But it's this weird... Oh, she's really cool. She's really exotic. She's different. And when you see, you're like, yes, she's a plant. <laughs> and and so you do get that feeling of, I don't know how this works. So you're looking at her the same way. Like you're kind of not understanding her, but you're intrigued by her. Like, how does this work? Does she have a mouth? You're just just, just staring. But it's a very, it's a, it's another physical manifestation of a character's interior showing on display. Mm -hmm. I've liked that the show is not afraid to take the idea of anthropomorphizing something and just like ask how far can we go. <laughs> so far, it hasn't been too far for me. I mean, those plant people. If you could get past that, you're fine. <laughs> oh, mm -mm. Don't quote the review I don't like. What? Did, did they say that? If you can get past the fact they're anthropomorphic bird people or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, gross. I know. I know. <laughs> That's, ah, hang on. Let me, let me wash that out. Oh, wow. I heard that from okay. you. I hope that translates well to the episode. <laughs> practical sound effects we should be foley artists on this show right <sighs> i've learned too late that was with i know i want to go collect foley things instead of a soundboard i want to go old school <laughs> now what else did we learn now that we know that <laughs> speckles grandmother her ashes have been mixed with sugar and Birdie's made this mistake of taking for granted something that's special to Speckle and now having to rectify it. She's made the first mistake in her, their new relationship together. She goes out and tries to fix it and ends up in a baking contest. Like you do. Like you do. With Chef Pete? Yeah, something Is that like his Baker name? Baker Pete, Pete the Baker. Yeah. 
at his um his pastry place because they meet a bully who we met earlier and now he's run away with the sugar slash ashes <laughs> and then after this huge ordeal of um making uh doing a bake-off for croissants um but also this temptation for um the baker like suddenly feeling this um will they won't they will she go for this baker and you know setting up that problem but also you know having that be an attraction and knowing that she's going to say no and go back to speckle mm-hmm. for for i don't know for how long but uh, yeah again we haven't well, finished binging but i also like that because in real life like just because you're partnered off doesn't mean strangers don't stop flirting with you right i've heard <laughs> you've you've even if you haven't just heard you can responsibly like report like hypothetically that doesn't stop and you just say no and that's okay <laughs> I'm so, presuming. <laughs> and then with, with this, we end up in a very anti-sitcom ending of Tuca leaving a box of her stuff in the apartment, you know, just, just so she can come down and get it. And she won't be there very often. But then it just shows all the things that is actually in there. So I think her underwear and <laughs> all of her like, underwear, not just one underwear, all of her and, underwear. Her, and her food and some other random stuff is in this. So it's like, it's funny, but also showing they haven't this, they haven't detached or she hasn't. And this is going to set things up probably for speckle later. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I've invested in all three. I mean, more so Tuca and Birdie than Speckle, obviously, but I also love Speckle. Because he doesn't get He's mad fine. when his grandmother's ashes are given away. He just says, like, I forget what he says. He's like, wow, that's unfortunate. And I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to. They don't have a yelling match. And they, they comment about that. Yeah. And Birdie says, I, I'm going to get back. So freeze. So he just freezes. He, like, oh, this is going to be a great freeze. <laughs> He just stands there for like 20 minutes. But it's, it's so refreshing because he doesn't have a fake reaction and it doesn't become a thing between them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not this big old fight because that's not what this is about. It's not about their relationship. It's about Birdie's perception of what she's done. And maybe it's not as bad as she thinks. You know, because in the end, he has to eat his grandmother, who's, who's now been baked into a cake. A ghost cake. A ghost cake. Yeah, there's like this very Adventure Time ending, which is not a criticism. It's just talking about the level of surreality. <laughs> I, I just think 
I was I was laughing so much, but I was I don't know. I just get it. <laughs> I just get it, and I'm just so moved that it exists. Mm-hmm. Just in general, that these three characters can be who they are and be damaged, but also be friendly to each other. I'm so sick of shows where people are mean mm-hmm. just for no reason and just start getting angry with each other, you know. And I think your comparison to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is very spot on because I love those characters too. Um, I have not watched the final season yet because I don't want to. Um, I think it's on Netflix you know, I don't want too. It is. I don't want it to be over, but... I want to know what happens, but I don't want it to be over. But it's there's just something about characters being real and having real caring for each other that you don't normally see. It's not fake sitcom caring for each other. It's actual human interaction caring for each other. Yeah. And if that's what we can get when we have more women creators, then... I'm here for it. Yeah. Give me depth of character and conflict, not just superficial, like, oh, we're going to hate each other this episode. And next episode, it's totally fine. We're going to hate the other character. Right. Repeat ad nauseum. Right. Give me tiny little problems from the everyday that get blown out of proportion because that's what the everyday feels like when you're living every day. Oh no, like these tiny little things that feel like huge moments. I mean, I'll give another thing like um, the, in the second episode when Dirk, the, um, the rooster <laughs> um, male, obviously, cause he's a rooster uh, co coworker of birdie sexually harasses her he says something and it seems on the surface if you just listen to the words one person might say well it's not a big deal but if you look at birdie's reaction her left breast packs up and walks out (laughs) it's like no i'm not I'm not settling for this. I'm not, I'm done listening to this. I'm out of here. And and she leaves. And again, there's that physical manifestation of here's an everyday thing that could seem like a tiny little moment, but no, that is a huge thing. And it's not getting blown out of proportion. It's showing to the level of pain that it's causing. In a surreal in way. A, in a surreal cartoon way that the breast just walks out and leaves a hole in her chest. That it's not a mentally imagined hole. Other people comment on her hole. Yeah. Like, like it, it's, that's not work appropriate. Like the HR person tells her to cover up. <laughs> oh my God. I like, loved the HR person, how bad they were. Oh, oh yes. Like the opposite of what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had something insightful to say it's gone because I just remembered how much I hated the HR person. 
Um, <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, I assume because you're listening to our podcast, whether regularly or just this episode, like you're not afraid of animation. This isn't to you, but I think there are people who might judge animation. The people don't watch it. Uh, they think it's a genre. It's not, it's a medium. Um, and what the show reminds me of literarily is Kafka, Edward Albee, like Pete classic authors who've taken something absurd and elevated it to a literary level to tell the story of the inner life of a character they're talking about. Mm. That's definitely what this animation is doing. Not every animated show does that, but that's certainly how this animated show chooses to express its cartoonishness. Yes. And it's deceptive because if you just look at it on a surface level in terms of what you're seeing and the way it looks, you would think, oh, this is very superficial and just it's surreal for the sake of being surreal. Nope. But that's not true at all. It is not family guying at all. <laughs> no. It's operating on multiple levels and those levels maybe just too sophisticated for certain correspondence on certain sites. <laughs> so I know it's hard to choose because we haven't finished already, but Chris, do you have a favorite thing so far? I think for me, I mean, if, if I were to go for a visual, I think it's in this, my favorite thing in the second is in the second episode where Tuca has become a temp at Birdie's job to try to help Birdie get the promotion that she wants. And somehow Birdie has, no, sorry. And somehow Tuca has taken leadership over two other temps <laughs> who she calls her templates. And those two characters have no lines and they just get ordered around. But I would watch a show about Tuca and those two, two other temps. I just love those two, especially when they're in the, uh, their sunglasses passing out the flyers for the mandatory sexual harassment class. Like, so it's like, here are a couple of random temps. You have to imagine that they're theater people because they're just here. They just join up. They yes and Tuca. Right. Like, you got it. So that's visually, those two characters are just super fun. Um, but personally, for me, it's like just to go back to the tension between the three characters in that very first episode is not about the sitcom reason of Speckle is replacing Tuca in her relationship with Birdie, that there's actual human reasons that they're each afraid of the change that's happening in their lives. Tuca doesn't know what it's going to be like to be on her own without Birdie, and Birdie doesn't know what it's going to be like moving their relationship to the next step of things. 
And I just love that it's a human, real reason change in their lives happening and not silly sitcom stuff. What about for you? It's a good long favorite thing. I know. My favorite thing is this show. Uh, (laughs) Everything. Uh, My favorite thing is a great character moment. It was in one of the trailers, but I had to see it a second time in the episode to really appreciate it. Um, I think it's the same fire escape scene that I mentioned earlier. So uh, Tuca is feeling sad and she cheers herself up by lifting up her shirt and flashing the city. And Birdie laughs genuinely at the joy her friend is experiencing. And then Birdie briefly touches the bottom of her shirt as if she's going to join in and then laughs nervously and lets go of her own shirt. I think that's the story of those two characters right there. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's a, it's a physical acting thing. Yeah, it goes to show you that your storytelling and writing in your show doesn't have to be dialogue, even in animation. I just want to go watch more. Yeah, agreed. I just want to say thank you, Lisa. Now homework time. For your homework, watch DuckTales Season 2, Episode 12, Nothing Can Stop Della Duck. If you haven't watched any episode in the new DuckTales, which I don't know why you haven't, but if you haven't, this is the one to watch. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter, at WG Animated, and you can find our show notes. We'll link to articles should we link to the other review no so nah (laughs) we're not going to do that but other reviews and other things you can read at our podbean writers get animated dot podbean dot com chris mckenzie mckenzie chris chris mckenzie mckenzie chris 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 mckenzie mckenzie i i yeah it doesn't have i think that work it it doesn't it doesn't will never be as good as duke and birdie And that's okay. It is. Thanks, Lisa. Good night, everybody.